this hour of the morning that we come to say thank you. Lord, we come to give you praise, honor, glory. Lord, because you're worthy. We thank you, Lord, that you have called each and every one of us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And you have put us here, Lord, for such a time as this. We are not accidents, we are not afterthoughts, but we are purposed and predestined by your spirit to be here right now at Truvine Baptist Church, to be alive at this time in history. Because, Lord, you are calling those that are going to make a difference in history. You are calling those, Father, that are going to make a difference in this community. You are calling those that are going to make a difference in this world. Lord, all of us are significant. Lord, all of us have purpose. All of us have meaning. All of us have a calling by you, Father. So, Father, we thank you right now, Lord. We ask that you would make us into those people, Lord. Continue to mold us and fashion us and mold us and make us into what you want us to be, Lord. Because we know that you're the potter and we're the clay. We're not to, to tell you what to do, but you are to make us according to your own will, Lord God. You are, you are to cause us to enter into every experience in our life according to what your divine purpose is for that experience. And, Lord, help us to respond to the moving of your Holy Spirit, God. Help us to say yes unto you. Help us to yield ourselves unto you. Help us to give ourselves wholeheartedly unto you, Lord God, knowing that we are the sacrifice. Lord, it's not like the priest that brought little sacrifices, but Lord, we are the sacrifice, Lord God. Lord, you said to, to, to give your, your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Lord, you have not asked us to do anything that is unreasonable. You have not asked us to do anything that is illogical. You have not asked us to do anything that is unseemly, but you ask us to do only that which is right, to give ourselves wholly unto you. All of our plans, all of our wishes, all of our dreams, everything, Lord, all of our family members and everything, Lord, just to give it unto you. Because, Lord, we know, we know, Lord God, that you're the author, you're the finisher of our faith. You wrote the story, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you, Father, are positioning people, Lord God, that you're positioning people have, who have potential inside of them, that you're positioning stewards, Lord God, that you're positioning those, Lord God, that you're giving talents, Lord. You've already given the talent, but you're asking us to respond to what you have put inside of us, Lord God, to stir up the gift that is within us, to stir it up, Lord, not to let it lay dormant in our lives, but to stir it up, Jesus. Lord, stir us up, Lord God. Don't let us to be at ease in Zion, Lord God. But stir us up by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Father, you're calling, you're calling, you're calling. You're always calling. Ever since Adam in the garden, you called him, Lord God. You're always calling. You say, though whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. You're always calling, Lord. Help man to be responding unto you. Help our hearts to be tender unto you. Help us to respond to the call that you've called upon our life, Lord God. Lord, we only have so many hours, so many minutes, so many seconds, so many days to do what you've called us to do. So, Lord, help us to be about our Father's business. Help us, Lord, to be about our Father's business, Lord God. So on that day, we can get that crown of righteousness.
not for us, Lord, that we can cast it at your feet and say, I did it all for you, Jesus. I live for you, Jesus. I preach for you, Jesus. I served as an usher for you, Jesus. I did everything I did for you, Jesus. I was on a deaconess board, on a deacon board, on a trustee board for you, Jesus. I sung in the choir for you, Jesus. It wasn't so somebody can hear how good I sang, but it was for your glory, for your honor that somebody might be set free. Lord. Father, move throughout this congregation, I pray, Lord God. Shake us, shake us, shake us, Lord. You have called us to be responsible to the call that you placed upon our life. You called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, you expect us to respond properly to that call. Not to still mix in the things of the world. Not to still mix in the things of the, in the affairs of this life. But Lord, as a good soldier, help us not to entangle ourselves with the temporal affairs of this life. That we may please him. That has enlisted us. Lord, each one of us are soldiers, Lord. Each one of us are in the army of the Lord. So, Father, I pray that you help us to answer the call this morning. If we've forgotten the call, Lord, call again. Help us to hear it fresh, Lord God. Help us to hear it fresh. Help us to hear it fresh. We know that the things of this world can choke out your word. But, Lord, call us again. Set us ablaze. Light the fire again, Lord God, in our hearts. Light it again, Jesus. Lord, you didn't call us to be darkness, but you called us to be light, to be illuminating. You say we're a city set on a hill. Lord, we're recognizable. We should be a people that are recognizable. Thank you. Lord, you called us to be salt. We should be people that are influencing the world, not the world influencing us. Father, we thank you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as I preach your word, I pray for the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because, Lord, without your unction and anointing, I cannot do anything. I don't know enough, Jesus, and I'm glad I don't. Because, Lord, it's by your power and by your spirit. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. Speak through me, Jesus. Speak through me, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah, chapter 1. As you go there, find Jeremiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah, chapter 1. Jeremiah, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Do we have any first-time visitors in the building this morning? Amen. Everybody is familiar. All right. And I was remiss. I apologize to my brother Deacon there. I forgot your name. Uh, brother Thomas Joseph. Thomas Joseph. Amen. From Antioch Baptist Church. Hallelujah. We're happy to see Pastor LaGrange here. Uh, Pastor Emeritus. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm glad to see him come into the building. Sister LaGrange, it's good to see you. Amen. Looking lovely as usual. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah, chapter 1. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That's where we're starting at. Jeremiah, chapter 1. Amen. Verse 11. 
Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 11. Jeremiah writes here, Jeremiah is one of the major prophets, as I stated. He is not a major prophet because he is more unique or that he is better than some of the minor prophets, but he is a major prophet because there's more content in his book. Amen? Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 1, chapter 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen. For I will hasten my word to perform it. Now go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. Paul writes here, he said, if we believe not, yet he abided faithful, talking about God. If we believe not, if the whole world doesn't believe God, yet he abided faithful. He cannot deny himself. Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, Judah means praise, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there are in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. The title of our message is it's time to build part two. It's time to build part two. He said that the Jews that had come back from Babylonian captivity were in great affliction. He said that the walls were destroyed and that the gates of the city were burned with fire. Now, just because we are a Christian does not mean that we won't find ourselves sometimes in situations of adversity. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. Just because we are Christians have given our life to Jesus Serving the Lord and doing what God requires us to do does not mean that sometimes we won't find ourselves in situations of adversity. Sometimes these adversities are caused by ourselves and sometimes these adversities are caused by the enemy, by the devil, by Satan, by the, 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 the one who accuses us before the father. Sometimes these adversities are caused by him because the Bible says that 
And I'm just giving you an illustration that Job was a righteous man, that Job was upright in all of his generations. And the Bible said that he feared God. You know what that means? That means that, that Job reverenced God. He respected God. He did not make light of God. He did not play with God. And yet all of these things entered into Job's life. Amen. The Bible says that Satan came before God and God asked Satan, where are you coming from? And Satan answered God and said, I'm coming from walking to and fro and up and down in the earth. Well, Satan, what are you doing? I'm just walking to and fro up and down in the earth. But Peter gives us some insight into what Satan was doing when he was walking up and down in the earth. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is looking for the next person that he can take out. The devil is looking for the next person that he can destroy. Jesus said that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Satan said, I, I, I just can't get to Job like I want to get to him. I just can't do to him what I, what I want to do. If I can just do what I want to do to him, I can destroy his life. Yes, sir. But yet, Satan realized something. He realized something. He realized the same thing that Job had around him, we have around us. God said, Job told God, he said, but yeah, I want to get to him. I want to destroy him. I want to play with his mind. I want to wreck his life. The devil is not playing with any one of us. He is our enemy. He is not our friend. He said, I want to destroy him, but you have built a hedge around him. You have put a hedge around Job, and I cannot do what I want to do to Job. The devil is not bigger than God. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. Don't you let the devil play with your mind talking about you're going to lose your life. Talking about go kill yourself. Talking about all your family going to be destroyed. Your mama going to be killed and everything else. But let me tell you something. God is in control of the one that's trying to control you. Yes, Yes, sir. We learned last week that God gets involved in our situations. But the only thing is, my brother and my sister, that sometimes we don't recognize God all of the time. Sometimes God is right there and we don't even see him. Sometimes God is right there and we don't even smell him. Sometimes God is right there and we don't even feel his spirit. That's why it's not about feelings. It's about what he said. What did the scripture say that we read in the beginning? It said even if we're faithless, even if we lose faith, even if we give up on God, he is still faithful because he cannot deny himself. That means that God will never disown himself. Amen. God will never disown himself, but God will always live up to what he says. He asked Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see an almond branch. I see an almond branch. You know something about an almond is that the almond was in the temple. 
in the Old Testament. It was part of the lamp, the, the menorah that burnt, the lamp of God that burnt, that was never supposed to go out. What is God telling Jeremiah when he said, I see an almond branch? He's saying that I see something that will never go out. Your word will never lose its power. Your word will never lose its light. Your word will never lose its authority. Because God has said in his word, I have placed my word uh-huh. upon my own name. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. oh yeah. I have placed my word above my own name. Yes, sir. The Bible said that God is not a man that he should lie. Can't do it. I said sometimes we go through circumstances and situations because we placed ourselves there through disobedience. Yes. That's why the children of Israel was down in Babylon because they were disobedient to God. And God said, when you're disobedient to me, we read over there in Exodus chapter 4. He said, get a hold of yourself. Don't let yourself just do anything. Oh, I just feel like going to the club. I just feel like drinking me a beer. I just feel like doing this. I just feel like doing that. But your feelings will get you in trouble. God said, get a hold of yourself. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Yes, sir. You mean to tell me I'm a Christian and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm reckless and I'm doing anything and everything? That's not showing nothing of the fruits of the Spirit. No, no. Not true. Speak, Holy Spirit. Oh, my father. Can't live like that. No, no. Sometimes we get ourselves in a situation and sometimes it's the devil. But let me tell you something. We all are accountable to one another. Because what I do affects you. And what you do affects me. Oh, you don't believe that, do you? Just think about it in the Old Testament when Achan went over there and took the, the things that he wasn't supposed to take from the enemy and put them inside of his tent. And then Israel began to be defeated. Some of us are being defeated. The church is being defeated because we have some people that's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We have some people that's living like they're not supposed to be living. They got some people that's not reverencing God, that's not respecting God, that don't care nothing about God. All they want is a, 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 the next blessing, the next blessing, the next blessing. When Jesus was out there with the 5,000, what did the Bible say? That he fed the 5,000 and then he picked up the, the fragments. Isn't that right? They said, but then after they ate, they left. That's what all they were there for, was to eat and leave, eat and leave. Oh, uh, y'all don't hear me, y'all don't hear me, y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. Just give me something to eat, man. Just give me a little word today. Just give me some bread. Just give me some bread. If I give you some bread, God gonna hold you accountable to that bread. Because he said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God is calling us to be accountable to him because you can't hear it and not do it. You can't hear it and not respond to it. You can't hear it and act like I never said it. He said when a man, James said when a man or a woman looks into this perfect law of liberty and is a forgetful hearer but not a doer, what did he say? He said it's like a man that goes and looks at himself in a mirror. He sees what he looks like, but then he goes away and forgets what he saw. I can't forget what I see in the word But I have to respond to what I see in the word I have to react to what I see in the word I'm accountable The Bible said to whom much is given Much is required If you don't want to be accountable You shouldn't have came this morning I'm telling you You shouldn't have came this morning Because now you know What did Jesus say He said he that has much More will be given and if you don't act right with it, even what you have is going to be taken away from you. Because God is not in the business of just giving and not receiving a return. God is an investor. 
He showed that in the word when Jesus went out there and he said that there were men that he gave talents to. And he gave one one talent. To another he gave two talents. To another he gave five talents. To another he gave ten talents. But one thing about all the talents, all the ones that he gave talents to were responsible to what he gave them. Not only that, not only that, but Jesus said he's going to come back one day. He showed that in the parable. He's going to come back one day. And all of us are stewards. All of us will be held accountable to what God has placed in our hands. All of us will be accountable to the word of God. I believe on that day he said in John, he said in Revelation, he's going to open the book. Huh? He's going to remind us of what we heard. We can't say, oh, we didn't see. That's why I don't argue with people about the word. It's just all I don't argue with them about the word. Because the word is still true. God said, I'm still faithful to myself. The word is not going to change. The word is immutable, unchangeable. It's always going to be the same. The Bible said that in God, there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. There's no shifting. There's no changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he said in Nehemiah, he is still saying today. Lord, have mercy. Help us, Father. Help us. The book of Nehemiah is a post-exilic book, which means that the book was written after the, some of the children of Israel came back from Babylonian captivity. Some of them came back. How many know that when the enemy gets you in his grips, some people get comfortable. Some people don't mind. Some people get used to it. And that's why some of them came back. There was a small remnant. One of the disciples asked Jesus, he said, how many will be saved? And Jesus said, just a few. Just a few. What is a remnant? If a woman was sewing and she cut off some of the materials that she's drawing a pattern with, what is that? That's a remnant. That's what's left over. And so these people that came out of the Babylonian captivity were those who were left over. The events that are recorded in this narrative were done so after Babylonian captivity. The Jews knew what God had said and through the prophet or the watchman Jeremiah. Because he said you're going to be there for 70 years and then you're going to return. Let me tell you something. When God said you're going to be somewhere, whether you put yourself there or somebody else's actions put you there, but yet it's the divine will of God that is in motion, there is nobody that can get you out of that experience. There is no judge. There is no preacher. There is no bishop. There is nobody that can get you out of that experience, but that thing has to run its duration until God says that that time is now. Yes, sir. Amen. Running everywhere talking about mama, help me. Ain't he help me? Oh, this one help me, that one help me. Can you, can you help me? Can you counsel me? Can you help me? We have to be in the experience that we are in when God has us there until God takes us out of that experience. Amen, preacher. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Some of them were satisfied. This place called Babylon was down there in Mesopotamia. It was Iraq. That is what this modern day Babylon is. You ever heard of that? Iraq, they talk about it in the news all the time. We have American soldiers that are in Iraq. That is where the children of Israel were held in captivity over there in Iraq near Baghdad. 
the book of Nehemiah. See, see now, now, when you look at it like that, it, it, it causes us to, to, to realize that the Bible was not so, so distant or way, way, way in another world somewhere. But this was actually people that lived in our world, but just at a different time. That's all. The book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra were at one time one book. They were considered one book. They are the only two. Books that are narratives in the Old Testament that are completely historical. You know, God gives us history. The Jews were good at keeping history. Do you want me to tell you why God gives us history? Do you want to know the revelation of why God gives us history? God gives us history so that we can learn from somebody else's experience. Why do we have to go through it ourselves? Why do we have to go see somebody messing up? See somebody on drugs? Oh, I think I'll try that. We don't have to go through the same situation. But I, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Even a fool can teach me something. Come on, Come on. Amen. Because he can teach me what not to do, where not to go, how not to live. That's why God gives us history, not so just so we can know what happened, but so that we can learn from it. The Bible said in Corinthians that these things were written for our learning and our admonition. Yes, our learning and our training, Brother Preston. That's why these things were written. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? I ain't going to be much longer, y'all. I know the food is calling. Not to make the same mistake. Ezra was a scribe in the Old Testament. It means that Ezra was a secretary. The name Ezra means help. How many know, I'm sure Pastor LaGrange, I'm sure you know that when you're in the work of God, you need some help. We are not an island unto ourselves. We are not superman and superwoman except what God enables us to do. But sometimes God will put people around you that will help you. Don't be so prideful to say, I don't need no help. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. I don't need your help. I got this, I got this. Why? Because of the pride of man. Because I don't want to look bad. Because I don't want somebody else to have the credit. Because I don't want somebody else to get all the glory and all the praise. All the glory and all the praise goes to one person. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes we need some help. And sometimes we need to admit, look, I can't do this by myself. Lord, I need some help. I need somebody to help. I, because God has given us one another. We are yoked up yes. with one another. He said, let those who weep, weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Enter into somebody else's experience with them. Don't just look at that person going through and talk about them and talk about them and get on the phone and call everybody and all that kind of thing. Get into that situation with them and let them know, sister, I'm with you. Brother, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. You're not by yourself because I'm going to miss a meal. I'm going to stay up at night praying for you. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to call your name in prayer until God changes your situation. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to get in there with you. I'm going to put my arm around you. If you cry, guess what? You're going to look over at me. And you're going to see some tears too. Because it hurts me that you're being hurt. Yeah. That's it. Amen. That's it. Amen. Don't you leave nobody out there by themselves because the devil will try to wreck their life. While you're over there talking, the devil working. The Bible says that no house that is divided against itself can stand. We have to be together. We have to be unified. We have to be about one another. I've got your back. You've got my back. And let me tell you something. No matter what you go through, you will look behind you and you will see me behind you fighting off devils, pouring for you, telling the devil, get behind them because they belong to Jesus. They don't belong to you. They belong to Jesus. 
Time out for all of that, church. Time out for all of that. The devil is trying to wreck people's life, and we're just going on with our own life. We get too busy in our own thing. But the Bible says that those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You see, it's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. And God said those that close their ears to the cry of the poor will, will cry themselves and will not be heard. Thank you, Jesus. Nehemiah rebuilt the physical aspects of Jerusalem and the wall of the temple. Yes, sir. And Ezra was instrumental in helping to rebuild the spiritual aspect of Jewish life. Oh, my Nehemiah was written about 400 BC. His name means, as I forestated, Yahweh comforts. Yahweh comforts. How many of you remember me saying that God comforting us? Does not mean that God puts his arm around us and say everything's going to be all right. Even though God does put his arm around us, even though he does draw close to us, that is not the sum, sum total of God comforting us. But God comforts us. Paul said to comfort those with the comfort where which you have been comforted with. What does it mean? It means that God enters into your experience with you. Yes. He said, I will never leave you. No, I forsake you, but I don't feel him. I don't see him. I don't know where God is. He yeah. said he will never leave you or forsake you. My mama not on my side. My daddy not on my side. My neighbor not on my side. He said he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't worry about how people act sometimes. God said that he will never leave you or forsake you. Sometimes people, people treat us bad. And then we get mad with God. Huh? God didn't do that. God didn't do that. That's those people not being obedient to the word of God. Because he already said, comfort those that are in any tribulation or trouble with the same comfort that you have been why does God comfort us so we can know how to comfort somebody else? Why does God show us love so we can know how to love somebody else? We're a body. We're a body of believers. We're hooked over one another. Let me tell you something. Everybody in the body is important. Just because you are not the pastor does not mean that you're not important. Huh? Just because you're not the deacon doesn't mean that you're not important. It would be illogical. Listen to me now. It would be illogical for me to go into the mirror and cover up my eye and tell my eye, I don't need you because you're not my hand. But every part of my body is placed there for a reason and a purpose and a function. God wants us to function where we are put at in the body. Come on, build the body now. Yes. God wants us to function where he has placed us in the body. Yes, sir. That's why I'm a pastor that is always looking. God, what did you put in them? What did you put in them? Because it's not all about me, Sister Arlene. That's right. Amen. It's not about my, my name being lifted up in lights. It's not about me being prayed. It's not about somebody talking about, yeah, Reverend Lewis is an exegete. He's a preacher. He's a preacher's preacher. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. Yes, the Bible said that God gave gifts. Jesus gave gifts to men. Let me tell you something. We've got it all wrong as leadership in the church. Come on, come on. What I mean, Pastor Grant, you know what I'm talking about. We got it all wrong as leadership in the church. Because the church is not put here to serve me. Come on. Huh? 
Oh, y'all don't hear me. I said the church, see the church is built stalls. T.D. Jakes walks into the building, I'm sorry, I mentioned the name. T.D. Jakes walks into the building, and all of a sudden, oh, that's Bishop Jakes. That's Bishop Jakes, that's Bishop this, and that's Bishop that. Let me tell you something, it's not about the bishop, but it's about what's inside of the bishop. That anointing, that gift that he has given to the body of Christ. Oh, y'all don't hear me, y'all don't hear me, y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me, y'all don't hear me, see? See, it's not, it's, see, look, let me tell you something. When they looked at Jesus in Nazareth, I'm just going to preach, is that all right? Preach! When they looked at Jesus, they said that Joseph and Mary's son. When they looked at Talatia, they say that's, that's, that's uh, Denise's daughter. Isn't that right? But yet they don't see the gift that's down inside of her. They don't see the anointing that's down inside of her. But yeah. God sees the anointing. God sees the gift. And God will tell the pastor what the gift and the anointing is so that she can be put where God wants her to be put in the body. See, sometimes we try to run the church politically. What do I mean? It's about who you know. If you get next to the pastor, maybe he'll let you be a deacon. If you get next, if you get next to the pastor, maybe he'll make you a deaconess. If you get next to the pastor, maybe he'll put you here and put you here and put you there. You see, a, a discerning pastor and a pastor that is led by the Spirit will understand that it's not up to me to put anybody anywhere. It's about the Spirit. Yes, the spirit. Uh-huh. Let me tell you something. Even the even the board, even the board, even the board, they better be spirit led. Oh, yeah. Even the board better be spirit led. Even the trustees better be spirit led. Because you will put something in there that you don't want. Just because I grew up with them, just because I know them, just because they were in my neighborhood, just because they live next to my mom. Oh, I like them. And they've been a family friend forever. But let me tell you something. Can I tell you? Come on with it, God. When God, when, 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 when God sent Samuel over there to Jesse's house, yeah. he already had in mind who he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. God already had David in mind. Yes, but Jesse didn't realize that. And I don't know if he really knew what he had in his arms. I don't know if he really knew what he had in his house. Yeah. Some parents don't know what they have in their house. Oh, Lord have mercy. Y'all better shut him down now. Shut him down now. Shut him down now. Some parents don't realize what they're holding in their own. Because Mary rocked Jesus, the Savior of the world. Yes. But when Samuel went over there to Jesse's house, and Jesse said, look, you know, uh, I have this son, and he passed before Samuel. And, and, and he passed the next son before Samuel. And he passed the next son before Samuel. And the next son before Samuel. Why does God keep overlooking me? Why does God keep overlooking that one and that one and that one and that one and that one? And then he chose me. Why did God choose me? Why did he call me out of darkness into his marvelous life? Why did God put his hand on me? Why did God call me? And Jesse, Jesse said, Jesse said, hold up. You know, I have another son. And Samuel said, he said this. He said, he said, he said, it's got to be the Lord's anointing. Why? Because he was looking with his eyes. He wasn't discerning at the time. He wasn't looking in the spirit. And God said, no, I haven't chosen him either. When God shakes his head, no, don't you shake your head. Don't rubber stamp nobody that God has not approved. Huh? Don't rubber stamp nobody that God has not approved. Because when the people, the people wanted 
salt. Yes, sir. Yeah, they wanted salt. Yeah. And God told them, God told them, God told them what Saul was going to do. He said he's going to take your daughters and he's going to make them perfumers. He's going to take your sons and he's going to send them out there to battle. Don't look on the outward appearance, but they looked at Saul. They said, oh, he's tall. He's handsome. Oh, he's handsome. Yeah, that's got to be the Lord's anointing. Why? Because they were looking with their eyes. Paul said, I pray for you that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. Paul said that we know no man after the flesh. Amen. So God, when David got there, God said, that's him. That's him. That's him. You see, because when we try to be in control of God's business, as the children of Israel was, because they wanted a king just like all the other nations. They wanted a king just like everybody else. They wanted to be like all the other denominations. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, all the other nations. They want to be like all the other denominations, like all the other churches. What God is doing over there may not be what God is doing over here. Right. Correct. Amen. Yes, sir. So, so when... So when God, he chose David, when the people chose Saul, you know what they had? Headache after headache after headache after headache because Saul was a loose cannon. He did what he wanted to do. God forbid that we should have a leader that does what they want to do. Just walking around, just doing what they want to do. Whatever my agenda is, whatever my story is, whatever my, what I want to do. But God said, I chosen David, a man after my own heart. Maybe yes. just like, his heart is like my heart. Yes. Because his heart is joined to my heart. Now y'all think I'm on another story, but let me tell you something. I don't like to call it story because story take a bad connotation. It means something that is not true. But y'all think I'm on another account. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you, God chose David because God said, I see his heart. You see the qualifications. You see the outward appearance. You see the PhDs and the doctorates and, and the Bachelor of Science and, and the Doctor of Divinity and all that kind of thing. But I'm looking at his heart. God will take God will take an unlearned man. Ain't never been to seminary. Ain't never been to Bible college. And do his work through that man. Because the Bible says that God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. God is not interested in your academia. God is not interested in how many years you went to Bible college. God is not interested in all of that. All God is interested in is will you serve me? Will you do all that I want you to do? Will you do everything that's in my heart? That's the kind of man, the kind of woman that God is looking for. One day will do all that is in his heart. One day will do what's in his heart. Let me tell you something. When you find a leader like that, you better cherish him. Every leader is not concerned about you. Every leader is not concerned about what concerns you. But let me tell you something, when there is a leader like that, we should cherish them. That's right. Oh, you don't hear me. You're cherished. Yeah. I should have got more amens than that. Thank you. I don't want somebody that I gotta buy them a jet every year. I gotta buy them a new jet every year. I gotta buy them a new Cadillac every year. I gotta buy them a new Mercedes Benz every year. And let me tell you something, every time I open my cabinet, I see one box of cereal. Let me tell you something, but yeah, living high on the hall. Come on, here now. Misusing the people of God and misusing their office. God didn't put me here at True Vine Baptist Church to be concerned about my agenda, to do my own thing. But he knows that I want to do what he wants me to do because every leader must be led. Every leader must be led. He said, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this 
that is not obedient to God, that does their own thing, that runs from the call of God, God has a fish waiting on them. Y'all didn't hear what I say? Amen. God will get them into that place. I hope he does it with a lot of our brethren that's in the pulpit today. I'm talking about every church, not just this church, every church around the world. Do something with them, Jesus, because they're using their office to their own advantage. Using their office to their own advantage. Don't go and see about nobody. Don't go about nobody's politics. How you doing? How's everything going? How are your children doing? All this kind of thing. All they're concerned about is the next stipend that they're going to get. When is the church going to pay me? That's all they're concerned about is the paycheck. I just, let me tell you something. I didn't come here for a paycheck. Come on. I work. Amen. I came here because I want the will of God to be done in my life and I want the will of God to be done in your life. I'm going to tell you what I want. You know what I want? I'm going to tell you what I want. I want a group of people. I want a church that is ready for Jesus when he comes back. That has their garments white like snow. That is ready for him when he returns. I don't want you to not have a crown of righteousness. It's not about me, but it's about you. Nehemiah said, nobody had to come and tell me about the children of Israel because I asked about them. Oh, you ain't hear me. You ain't hear me. Nehemiah said, I asked about them. How many people want a leader, whether it be the pastor, or whether it be the Sunday school teacher, or whether it be the dean that's a deacon, how many people want a leader that nobody had to go to him and tell them anything about you? They're already asking. Come on. Amen. My God. Yes, sir. Already asking. Already involving themselves. Some leaders are too busy. Well, let me see, sister. Let me see. You go to your pastor. Let me see what. Let me see what my calendar says. Let me see what my calendar says. Let me see when I can pencil you in. Lord, help me. Help me. Lord, my God. I'm about to let y'all go. I'm about to let y'all go. I'm about to let y'all go. Some leaders. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's a real thing. Some leaders are too concerned to even come see about you. Come on. Lord, have mercy. Why? Because some people, some people sit so smug in the pulpit. So smug in the pulpit. Oh, yeah, I'm the bishop now. I'm the bishop. I'm the bishop, but it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me being smug and, 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 and loving a position and loving a title and loving Lord a name with no content. If I carry the title of pastor, then I should be a pastor indeed and in truth. Nehemiah yes. said in my clothing, I asked about the people. I asked about them. You see, because a true leader, whatever concerns you, concerns them. They're not too busy for you. They will make time for you. Amen. Those that are genuinely concerned about the well-being of those under their care. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. He said, he said this. He said, but I trust in the Lord to send Timothy... Shortly, or Timotheus as it is in the Greek, shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort. Yeah. Because something is troubling me. Lord Jesus. I can't sleep. That's right. And what's troubling me is what's troubling 
confused. Because, you see, I take the church to bed with me. I think about the church before I go to sleep. I pray about the church before I go to sleep. I think about the church when I'm on my job, when I'm on that dock working at my job. I'm thinking about the church. I'm thinking about Bible study. I'm thinking about the next Sunday. Why? Because I am concerned about you. You mean to tell me that? That some leaders can sit there and eat their food and, and just go about life like it's nothing when their member is sick or when their member is troubled or when their member, one of their children have, have, have just about lost their mind and that doesn't bother you. Lord, help us. Oh, my, my, my. Lord, help us. Help us. He said, I'm going to send Timothy. You're going to find out why he's going to send Timothy in a minute. I'm going to send Timothy unto you that I also may be of good comfort. When I know your, your yes, state. Yes. See, I, see, Paul involved himself like Nehemiah did in the life of the people. It's not just yes. on Sunday. How you doing, sister? Uh, how, how you doing, brother? How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. No, he was involved in their lives. Yes. Yes. Yes, he was. For I have no man. Listen to what Paul said. All the ministers that were under him. It's not about, Lord have mercy. It's not about how many preachers I have. I have ten preachers under me. Oh, Go to a pastor's seminar and meet some other preachers, and, and it seems good to say, "Oh, Doc, I have uh, I have ten preachers under me." <laughs> what does it matter that I have ten preachers under me when they don't have the same spirit that I have? When they don't have the same care for you that I have. When Moses was out there, God said, look, I'm going to, look, he got the counsel from Jethro's father-in-law, said, look, take 70 elders. And God's going to take them, and he's going to take up the spirit that is on you, and he's going to place it on them. Yes. You see, it rolls down from the head. It said the wall rolls down from Aaron's head, down to his beard, down to the, to the, to his, to the, to the, to the bottom of his robe, it starts at the top. The top has to be in the right place. And all those under the top has to be in the right place. But before the top can be in the right place, the top has to realize who's really at the top. So I have nobody like-minded who will naturally care for your concern or your state. What does that mean? What does that mean, somebody that naturally cares? You want me to illustrate it for you? Can I illustrate it? Somebody naturally cares for your estate, right? Huh? You tell me about uh, about what happened in your life. You know what somebody that don't naturally care about your estate would do? Mm-hmm. Oh. What? Man. What? Yeah. So sorry. So sorry. But yet somebody who naturally is not a forced thing. I don't have to make myself care about you. It's all in my DNA. It's all inside of me. Because the first time that I hear you in trouble, Brother David, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come over to you and I'm going to start praying. I'm going to lay my hands on you and I'm going to let you know that I'm living with you. You are not in it by yourself. Help us. Help us. Help us. Huh? A real leader will get out of their bed at midnight and come give you some bread. Yes. He's not going to say, y'all remember that, that Bible verse? He's not going to say that I'm in my bed and my family is with me and come back tomorrow. But the Bible said that he's going to say, he's going to get out of his bed. He's going to address your issue. Because right now, you're more important than my sleep. God will give me rest. God will give me good sleep. But let me tell you something. You are his priority. So since you are his priority, then you are my priority. He said, naturally, 
Not a forced thing. Not a put on. Not a show. Talking about, oh, real, oh. Come on, man. Oh, I'm sorry, real. You really going to all that? Who recognized that? Huh? What help us, Huh? But something that is genuine. He said, for, listen to what Paul said about the leaders. For all seek their own, yes. not the things which are of Jesus Christ. All of them. All of them sought their own. Let me tell you something. This was written in the first century. But let me tell you something. In the 21st century, there are still leaders that are seeking their own and not the things that be of Jesus Christ. He said, but ye know the proof of him. That as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send shortly, so soon as I shall see how it go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also, myself, shall come shortly. Why? Because it wasn't enough for Paul. It wasn't enough for him to just hear about what happened. It wasn't enough for Nehemiah to hear about what was going on with the children of Israel and with the children of Judah in that situation. But Nehemiah said, when I heard about it, I sat down and I wept. Lord Jesus. Huh? I sat down and I wept. Why? Because what touches you touches me. Touches me. In my heart. When Jesus saw the multitude and they were walking around, the Bible said that he had compassion on them, that he was moved with compassion. The Bible said, why do you tell your brother when you see him in need? You see him cold. You see you don't have a jacket or a coat. And you tell him, be warm and well fed and God bless you. Lord, Lord Jesus. Come on, now. I hear you, Give him a jacket. Yeah. Give him one. You see, when you're really concerned, nobody will have to make you do nothing. You just, oh, I, I know that's what I'm going to I go get them cold. I go get them a blanket because they're cold. And what concerns them concerns me. Why? Because we are hooked up together. Nehemiah said, I sat down and I wept and I mourned certain days. It wasn't for one minute that he wept. It wasn't for two minutes that he wept. But he said he wept all day long. He wasn't worried about the saints. He wasn't worried about football. He wasn't worried about baseball and basketball in today's society. I don't know if he lived back then. But he wasn't worried about anything else. Because a true leader will identify what's really going on and address what's going on. Amen, amen. All I wanted to see, let me tell you this. Can I tell you this? Can I? It's all right. All right. Let me tell you this. In Nehemiah, when he dealt with the children of Israel, and they were in Babylonian captivity, and they were over there suffering, Nehemiah said, what's the situation? He's like me. I want to know what the situation is. We cannot, listen to me good, we cannot keep talking about what happened a year ago, talking about what happened two years ago, talking about what happened three years ago. We have to address what's going on right now. Right now.
we have to start from where we are and build from here. Because God said, through Nehemiah, he placed a man that, that, that said, I, I, I had something that my God put in my heart. I'm going to tell you a couple more things and I'm going to let you go. You see, a true leader, whoever it is, even in the church or on your job, a manager, a boss, or whoever. But a true leader will have a relationship with God. Yes. I don't want somebody in the pulpit that does not have a relationship with God because they're not following God. They won't listen to God. They're hard-headed and they do what they want to do. But I want somebody that has a relationship with God. But not only that, Nehemiah said, my God, put it in my heart. He didn't say, I think it's God. I don't know this God. I believe it's God. I, you, know, I, you know how we do today, Sister Ali. I don't know if it's God. I think it is. I think it's God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He said, my God, I know who put it there. That's right. See, we have to realize who's putting these things in our heart. Yes. God's going to give some of y'all ideas. And you got to realize who put it in your heart. Yes. He's going to give some of y'all inventions. And you got to realize who put it in your heart. God has already given some of y'all talents and hair and nails and whatever else. You have to realize who put it in yes. your heart. God had positioned Nehemiah strategically. God is a strategic God. God doesn't just do things just because, but there is a plan and a working out of things yes. behind what he does. Yes. If God puts you in a beauty shop, guess what? It's because somebody will come in there that you need to witness to. You see, I'm in that. You see, Nehemiah said, I was the cupbearer. I was the king's cupbearer. But God had him right in the right position to talk to the king. Yes. Because the king was the one who controlled everything. But God said in Proverbs, he said, the king's heart is in my hand. Uh -huh. Oh, y'all ain't shouting. Come on, come on, come on. The king's heart is in my hand. God's going to open some doors for some of y'all. Yes. And you have to realize that it's not that person. You, you rely on that real estate agent. You rely on all these other people. What? But God said, rely on me. Rely on me. I'm going to put you in the right place at the right time. Oh yeah, well, I'm over here at this job. I don't know why I'm over here at this job. You're dead at that job for a reason. That's it. It's a purpose. I don't know why I don't. Well, I don't know why he gave birth to me through this lady, and then I'm in this neighborhood, and all this kind of thing. God strategically put you there. All right. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. 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 Who knows the spirit of a man? Who knows his mind? It's the spirit that is in this man. And he said, no man knows the things of God except the spirit of God. God will be going forth in this church. Help us to acknowledge you. As he did, Lord. When he went before the king, he asked you for favor. He prayed. And he invited you into his situation. But I was not to lean on our own. But in all our ways, acknowledge you, knowing, Lord, that you will direct our path. Lord, 
spirit. But you said it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit. Don't forget 